Hello everyone, this is Aaron in the Air, welcome back to the podcast, it's been a minute. Today, hmm, I feel like introducing anything right now without some context as to what the fuck is happening in my life seems inappropriate, so here's a quick catch up. Broke up with a girlfriend, moving out of my house that I've been in for nine years, starring in a TV show for Discovery Channel. Um, about highlining, filming in the desert of Utah for five weeks, starting in a couple of weeks. Gonna head from there out on a four-month road trip through the American Southwest in California. So, whoa, shit is up in the air for me, and it seems fitting, but it also seems very scary. It feels disorienting, um, but... Yeah. So, yesterday I had a talk with Aaron, and there's my co-host Mina flapping her ears. Uh, yeah, yesterday I had a talk with Aaron about modern masculinity, and I think it was very... I think it was good. I very much enjoyed it. This is something that I think we need to talk about more, and I think that... In this episode, we kind of touch on a number of the different points as to why we need to talk about this more. What are the barriers that we're facing here as men and as women trying to support men or women trying to be men or all this stuff. It's just a confusing world as we make a compelling case for. So I really appreciate Aaron's courage here and his presence. So... Without further ado, here's my talk. Support the show at paypal.me slash in the air. Really appreciate that. You guys enjoy. Here we go. Thanks for being here. Stoked you're here. My pleasure. So you recently hosted a event at the Stoa mm-hmm. about modern masculinity. Meta modern. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Oh, love it. Okay, so let's let's just frame this. Let's just frame like what is, um, and we don't need to frame meta anything ever. Sure. I think I've beat that horse to okay. death and then continued. Um, sure. Um, but what like why why are we talking about this? Um, there is a thirst for it, I think, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a lot of these intellectual circles in these collectives that I think are forming on the internet. Uh, there is a lot of unresolved masculine energy and you can feel it. Um, so I attended Stoa events for a while and started getting to know Peter Lindbergh a little bit better. And, uh, just threw out this idea of like, why don't we have like a men's group at the Stoa? I think it'd be interesting to like give a place for men to, be vulnerable and talk about their feelings and their struggles and what it means to be a man right now. What is masculinity? Where is it going? And, uh, you know, what's up with all this confusion about what it means to be a man that we're experiencing. And, uh, I think that it, you know, just struck a nerve with a lot of people. And, uh, I think the conversation will keep going and more people will keep attending hopefully. And, uh, it's been really cool so far. Cool. Yeah. This is something I have, literally recorded a podcast with Peter Lindbergh on this hmm. subject and surrounding it. I've also recorded a podcast uh, with Daniel Kazanjian okay. um, on this similar thing, um, huh. a new feminism, a new uh, masculinity, uh, discussing what masculinity really is, yeah. talking about some of the misnomers, some of the uh, labels like toxic masculinity and what they do for our conversation. Mm-hmm. I also host a YouTube channel that is uh, centered around paragliding. I'm a professional paraglide pilot. And <laughs> the people that listen to that channel are, according to my metrics on my analytics, are 98.6% male. Yeah, that sounds about right. And so I have, I have this, um, this episode that I've written but haven't yet mustered the courage to record, which is titled How to Treat Women on Launch, which I've been asked by some of my female Paraglide Pilot friends that they think it's important that I share this kind of thing with men because they're dissatisfied with how they're treated and as I wrote it, it essentially was titled that, but it actually came out as how to be a man or like more vaguely, what is masculinity? What is resolved masculinity? What is uh, mature masculinity? And so yeah. this topic is fraught with landmines as the wave of feminism has changed and has brought new vernacular to the subject mm-hmm. like yeah. toxic masculinity which i think is a a poor term for a number of reasons that we can get into but sure i um i guess this is all to say that i really respect what you're doing because i think that you have mustered the courage that i haven't quite yet i have had these conversations but to have a conversation that I feel like is somewhat, how do I say? It's like, there's a part of me just like inherently that is a guide. 
Yeah. Like I am a camp counselor. I am a person mm. that shows people how to do things better. I have been a ski coach. I have been a professional skier and then a professional highliner and now a professional paraglide pilot. And I've teach, mm. I teach people all these things and I distill the lessons that I find in them and I bring them back to the podcast and the YouTube and I share them. And so there's a part of me that really um, identifies as camp counselor, as guide, as um, it's, it's not so much teacher. It's not like a teacherly authority that I feel like I have. It's more like I'm trying to model the right behavior as I stumble through yeah. life to encourage people to be vulnerable enough. And this is something I've done here on this podcast. It's something I've done on the YouTube channel of like being very vulnerable with like the shit that has really been, that has happened to me, that I've seen, that I've lived through, um, that I've grown into. And so I really respect what you're doing and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I think you have some good insight here thank you yeah well i respect you for having a podcast and you know you you are being a guide for people who tune in to listen and uh it's really important right now right people are confused and they, they need help finding their path so yeah i think that's a great place to start i think that's a okay. great place to start i i appreciate the reflection as well and i think mm -hmm. that a good place to start is the confusion Okay. What do you think the what do you think the confusion looks like? I have my own ideas, obviously, but what do you think the confusion looks like, and what do you think are the the biggest uh, stones in the shoe of a meta modern man as we grow up in this um, society that we're that we're in? Yeah, I mean, just in in a very generalized way, I think the world is very confusing. It's very complex. I mean, you've talked to Verbeke, so it sounds like you probably explored this quite a bit, but. Um, people don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know what's up and down. Uh, there's a lot of mixed messages that people are receiving. There's a lot of information that's just pouring into people's lives. And a lot of it's really low quality information. A lot of it doesn't provide any substance. It's just uh, shiny and pornographic in many ways. And, mm -hmm. you know, people don't realize that they find themselves at a place in life where like, they don't know how they got here or where they're going or what's mm -hmm. going to happen. And, uh, anxiety you know lots of anxiety lots of seeking for uh seeking meaning seeking a purpose trying to become one with something bigger than yourself and the outlets that people have for that are kind of limited they're often poor and um yeah, as far as masculinity goes i think that uh there is a crisis of masculinity um i do think that a lot of young men aren't being provided with enough uh guidance they're not they don't have good role models um they're being told mixed messages of how they should be um the world's confusing and w how should i be as a man what is my role in society um many of the roles i think that men play in society have also changed and some of them are disappearing over time and uh it's unclear what men are to do and the problem is that we can pretend as if uh, just sort of banishing masculinity away and saying like you know, being a man is toxic, let's say, or, or what men used to be, there's no room for that anymore. We can kind of just banish it away, but it doesn't remove masculinity. It just like, uh, you know, sends it to the underworld, sends it down to hell. And when that happens, what you get is demons, right? Like men become these like shadow men and they, they do things like they get on the internet and find other shadow men and they talk about how unhappy they are. And perhaps it gets really radical and they plan ways to, troll people on the internet and say terrible things to women and start these movements that are really unhealthy. And then 
when it gets really bad, you know, like you know, when there's like mass shootings and things like that, like that's masculinity being expressed in very, very negative ways because they didn't have an opportunity to express it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And that's the question. Why not? Where, why is the positive masculinity gone or why is it hard to find or, or why are we not able to hand this down to young men very effectively? And, uh, you know, we don't have all the answers for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really deep inquiry, and so I'm mm-hmm. happy to just ruminate, essentially. But I'm curious what you see in the landscape of ideas that goes around that might be adding to the confusion, and particularly the rhetoric from the opposite gender. There's a lot of hate towards men, mm-hmm. um, a lot of resentment, and you know some of that is fair. Uh, the world has been a place of men for a very long time. I think civilization itself is sort of a masculine creation. And um, we have to admit that it's been a man's world for a very long time and that's changing now. Um, But as it changes, a lot of that sort of pent up aggression is being thrown back at men of like, you guys should just go away and die essentially, or you should completely give up who you are and, um, become the opposite of what you are, I would say. It's like the men should now be the women or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can get into like what masculinity and femininity means and masculinity and femininity doesn't actually, it's not actually anchored necessarily to man and woman. There's women who can be masculine. There's men that can be feminine. Everyone's a little bit of both. And that's, you know, perhaps a tangent, but um, it's not helpful to tell anyone that, their existence is not okay or that who they are, their nature, the way that you were born is wrong. You know, that's, it doesn't work. That's not helpful. It makes things much worse. It's divisive. And, um, these terms like toxic masculinity, uh, it's a a blanket statement that's sort of being thrown at men in a way that isn't very helpful because it just essentially is saying, well, masculinity is evil. And it's like, what are we supposed to do with that? what can we do with that? Nothing. And, um, I don't think all women are to blame for this. Like, absolutely not. I don't think all women hate men. And I think that's, you know, that would be mirroring the same sort of animosity back, which is not the right thing to do. But there, I think there are a lot of forces, nefarious forces out there that are trying to sort of flip the status quo, flip the hierarchy. And that involves like attacking the people who might be uh, at the top, which many of them are men, and this kind of trickles down, and suddenly you're attacking all men just to kind of flip the hierarchy, and um, it's not helpful. Probably, probably about five percent of men are bad people and need to be disciplined, but ninety-five percent of men are either really great, really helpful, they're loving, they're fathers, they're protectors, or they're just a little confused and need some help. You know. And like, where's that? Where's the therapy towards men that gets them back into shape? Um, I think that's what's really lacking. Yeah, I think you're outlining something. There's a couple of things that you said that like, there was a couple of things, just the the notion that it's been a man's world for so long. Mm. There are elements of that that I agree with. And there's things inside of that that I would disagree with. Sure. Um, the notion that civilization is masculine is Mm. I think quite profound actually. I think that's a profound insight. And yesterday there was a thing at the Stoa of this, this guy, he's an anarchist and he calls himself a primitivist. 
Right. I'm talking about how civilization is essentially the problem. Mm. So that was something that came up as you said that, but yeah, I think what you're outlining here, when black lives matter mm. took its huge leap in the first five days after the video of George Floyd came out, yeah, there was this, there was this allergic reaction to anyone uttering the phrase, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. And I wrote an inquiry about this. Yeah. An article inquiring about all lives matter, where basically I was saying, well, if the people who would utter all lives matter are the problem, then condemning them and outing them and shaming them is unlikely to be the road to transformation that you're claiming our world needs. Yeah. Right. So the claim is essentially that there are toxic people, behaviors, attitudes, ideologies. And I think what you're talking about is the, there's like um, an energetic in the message that is the people who hold those ideas behaviors, attitudes should die, should disappear. They don't belong. They don't, like we want to just completely out them. Yeah. And transformation is not something that we acknowledge as the road from here to there. Yeah. And I think it's so important that we do because my shtick with the term toxic masculinity is that I think that the things that we see currently in our world that are burdening us from the masculine are essentially immature. They are not toxic because any child mm. goes through levels of development where at two years old, you'll have some kind of awakening to autonomy where you realize that you have effect in the world and you'll start fucking with your parents to get a response from them. You are yeah. literally in an egocentric state of your development. Yeah. This is talked about in all kinds of childhood development and all the way up into integral theory and spiral dynamics. And this is just a, this is a phase of being, this is a phase of development. And then to call that toxic, you are literally labeling children of both genders toxic there's like some mm. kind of toxic phase that your child would go through and if man if you think of your child as toxic at any point you're absolutely killing the world you are hurting the world in such a way i can't even describe right like that, right. that deep-seated resentment toward your child is just the absolute bane of our existence so sure yeah the uh one way that you know, in Jungian thought, there's this notion of the shadow, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, my podcast is actually called The Golden Shadow. And the whole point is that this energy that we view as being bad or that's, um, again, been banished, like away, like it's, it's, it's dark, repressed energy that we don't want to admit is there. Um, we all do this, but like even society does this. It banishes the energy that it doesn't want mm -hmm. and says, go away, get out of like, get out of my vision. I don't want to look at you. And when it happens, it festers. And so the golden shadow is this idea of like that darkness, you can integrate it back up and uh -huh. there's treasure in there. It's like, it's golden because there's so much potential in there to be reintegrated into your being, to grow into something more. And so if you have, 
let's say toxic masculinity, if it's, you know, and it's, that's an appropriate term, maybe it's shadow masculinity. It's not healthy. It's adolescent, as you're saying, how do we integrate it back up into a place of strength and wholeness? And Mm -hmm. it's not clear how we do that, but I mean, that's, that's the real path is to reintegrate this energy, bring it into the light, um, absorb it back into your being. So you come more, become more complete. So society becomes more complete and that's what needs to happen instead of just saying, well, just banish it, mm-hmm. just destroy it, get rid of it. It's like, good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck destroying work, masculinity. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. The idea of the golden shadow, I love the, that's a reframe that I think is so helpful right now because I think that even just myself, I just, I, I go through waves of self-sympathy where I am unhappy with my current, state of development and personhood and then Mm -hmm. i go through stages of shame and regret and um, guilt over those same things and so yeah i think the idea of a golden shadow is um that there's treasures in it um, i think is Mm -hmm. really helpful reframe for a lot of people to kind of how would i say like just to begin the courage to begin um, yeah, that's good. And it was so weird, man, that you say that. Cause last night I was laying in bed and this is a, a, a thought that I, I, I didn't realize I remembered until you said mm. this, but I had this idea, this, um, this like visual of, of someone who was trying to disintegrate their shadow and the shadow like became this, this powder that like floated up and it like landed on their face and it made bags under their eyes and it mm. made them look dirty and homeless and impoverished and, and scary. Right. Right. Yeah. So like if your that. shadow is just like nice and crisp on the ground, that's right where you want it. Right. That's right, right. where you want it. You don't want to disintegrate that thing because it's going to cover you up. Right. And you right. can pretend it's not there, but everyone else looks at you and they see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a good metaphor. I like that. It, it kind of reminds me of like uh, you ever do like the cinnamon challenge where you try to swallow a <laughs> spoonful of cinnamon, and it's like that'll work, right? But then it just vaporizes into yeah. your mouth, and it's like now it's even worse because it's like stuck and yeah. it's everywhere. So I, I like the idea that you can approach the shadow that way, and like you just make things worse. Like it's just vapor now, and it's yeah. everywhere, and you're inhaling it, and you don't know what to do. You can't clean it up, so. That's perfect. Yeah. I never did the same thing. I've stuck to the Tide Pod challenge. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that this is such a relevant conversation. And I I, I feel like one of the things that I've I just in my just who I am craves depth. And in my younger years, depth came only from intensity. That is essentially what leads a person to be a professional skier and go off huge, gigantic jumps and do a number of flips and land backwards, right? Sure. Intensity is a form of depth. Yeah. But it's a somewhat immature form, really. It's a somewhat, like it's a... um, Because as I've grown as an athlete... Yeah. As I've grown as an athlete, like moments of intensity are actually things that I'm 
trying to avoid at this point mm. in my life. Like mm. that kind of intensity, I'm trying to avoid that. I want things to be very go very smooth. People like will say adrenaline junkie, and I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because mm. honestly, if I'm having adrenaline, there's like something has gone horribly wrong. Because mm. I want to be in a flow state, essentially. Right. You know, I can fly my paraglider for eight hours and cross you know, a couple hundred miles in a single flight. And so if I'm having adrenaline during that experience, something has gone horribly wrong. Hmm. Um, It reminds me of um, the reason why I think a lot of people do drugs to be trying to achieve a feeling of spirituality or a feeling mm -hmm. of of meaningfulness is Mm -hmm. uh, it's direct, it's simple, and it gets you there like without any struggle. And yeah. so people want to feel this depth in their life, but they don't know how to get to it. And they don't know how to do the work that helps you arrive at that place that, that is really kind of a grind. It requires a practice of achieving depth and sort of holding that depth and writing it for a long period of time. And so, you know, people will take acid and they'll be like, oh my God, I have all these insights and this is what's real and life is so meaningful. And then it fades and they have no idea how to get it back. And, uh, I think you can get that without getting high as well. I think, I think the idea of doing extreme sports is like, yeah, I'm sure that's a rush. And, you know, I, I used to rock climb, not anymore, but you know, the, there was a rush from that that was very um, addictive and it makes you feel like your life is very real and that's powerful. But I do think as we age and become wiser, we sort of develop this feeling of balance and wanting to find ways to like uh, maintain that depth, perpetuate it and not have to just kind of do this on off on off thing, you know, yeah. which can be really unhealthy. Yeah, I agree. So to let you in on some of the things that we've talked, uh, that Verveki and I have talked about the frame that Kazanjian, Peter and I have all kind of ruminated on together is this idea of mm. coming of age, this, this, these rituals, this passage, because as Verveki dropped a bomb on my head on this last talk. He says, Ari, personhood is an achieved state of being. Yeah. And it's so true. Manhood is an achieved state of being. So typically in America, in where we are right now, it's as if you become a man when nuts drop into your sack and your Tom Selleck starter kit starts to flourish on your lip or chest. And you turn 18, essentially it's chronological. Right. It's like biological and chronological. And yeah. the, there is such a horrible likely outcome from that short-sighted perspective that if we operate a society where men become men chronologically and biologically and have no societal, emotional, um, behavioral guidelines, responsibilities, privileges, traditions, practices to go on that we're essentially shooting blind. And that has become, I think, really hard for the feminists for the mm. women who are discontented with the way manhood currently looks because, or the biggest problem with that is essentially that they want to destroy the way it is as opposed mm. to 
water the garden of how it should be. Yeah. Because I think that we as men have an amazing ability to lift each other up and to hold each other accountable and to curate these practices and these ways of being and these, these new frameworks to think of ourselves and see ourselves and see the world. And not to mention the world is changing so fucking fast that even yeah. though our parents, I could blame our parents for not being able to raise us in the way that would have shown us the way, the way that they would have known is literally not the man that we need. Yeah, or I agree. What's happening and who knows what it is, right? So there is this is a thread that is pretty salient through all of our turmoil right now is the idea of whether we tear things down or we just disregard the shit that we need to tear down and we build the new things in their place that will just replace naturally. Yeah. And so we as men have an amazing ability, responsibility to lift each other up and create these new frameworks. But the mm -hmm. power of women mm -hmm. to influence the future of masculinity could not be overstated. It cannot mm -hmm. be overstated. And it's, it is, I think this right here, that point right there, I think is my main shtick with feminism is I'm like, I'm like, you don't realize how much power you actually have as you just complain and demean and degrade and you come up with these new terms like toxic masculinity that slanders boys. And it, it's like, you don't realize how much power you actually have here. And I think that yeah. the women who are like anti-feminists, you know, the Camille Paglia and, and the like, essentially have felt their power for a long time. They have felt their ability to influence men's behavior in such a fucking profound way. Yeah. There's no one who can affect my behavior more than my intimate partner. That is the person that has my strings the closest is my intimate partner, right? If she says there's a problem and my behavior needs to change, I, I, there's no one in my life that I take that, that concern more seriously with. So Definitely. I think that women underestimate their power here in the positive and they take it. We, and I think this is pretty widespread is that we have lost our ability to, to imagine our agency as positive. We, yeah. the entire society from my look on the landscape right now is everyone thinks that their agency is in destruction and there's very few people who realize that their agency is actually in construction creation. Yeah. And so I just like, there's a part of me that really wants to encourage women to encourage men. Right. Yeah. Because as men, we can do it, but it's like the, the power of a, of a woman to encourage a man's development can't be overstated. Yeah. I mean, part of, Part of the problem here is that we, we fail, I, I think, just as a society, we fail to acknowledge the dynamics between men and women that are at play. And, you know, um, being a man's hard. And uh, in a relationship, we underestimate how much a man has this pressure on him to perform in all these different ways. You know, there, there's performance in life. There's, like, sort of status. There's financials that, you know, women pay attention to pretty closely. Like, where are you at in your life? 
are you someone who is doing well? Do you have um, security and stability? Like I find that attractive and sexy, but there's also, you know, performance in the bedroom. Even it's like men have to perform in the bedroom, women less so. And that's, that's something that's, it's deep within us. It's, it's ingrained in our biology, our genetics of like women are judging men and they're saying, are you good enough? Are you good enough for me? And in all these ways, and this, gets abstracted up into these different realms with, with our modern world, right? Of like, uh, the women get to choose which man they want and the men are competing and the men are competing to kind of get the attention of women. And when this happens, um, men are scrambling around. They're not coming together as effectively to, to form good bonds and cooperate. And the men who lose just sort of, you know, get thrown to the wayside and, uh, this is happening with the vast majority of men. It's sort of this strange um, current of, of judgment that's being placed on them. They have all this pressure on them to do well um, in all these different ways. And it's different for women. And I don't think we acknowledge that very properly, these dynamics. So uh, women do have a lot of power here and they, they have powerfully influenced uh, what we think about masculinity, I think, you know, over the course of the last 50 years. And they will continue to do so. So I, I agree with you that a lot of um, what needs to happen here is men need to come together. They need to find ways to communicate. They need to rediscover what it means to be a man and how it makes sense for our current situation in the world. Because it's different than it was in the past, right? Being a man now, it's different. You can be a warrior, but it has to be abstracted into this new sort of spiritual realm as opposed to like a literal realm of like violence. Um, but a lot of the responsibility is up to women. It's like, figure out how men work, help them, you know, be a partner. Don't, don't be a competitor with men. Like, why are we competing at all to begin with? Men and women are partners, you know? It's like, we're genetically partners. We're built for each other. We're like two halves of the same whole, you know? And the idea that we're in competition is strange and it just destroys the fabric of reality, basically, when you have men and women who think that they are in competition with each other. That's very unhealthy. And the fact that that's a prominent conversation in our society is evidence that something is very wrong, I would say. Yeah, I agree. The signs that things are very wrong and off the rails is, uh, seem to abound. And <laughs> the notion that we are in competition as a sign of how wrong they are, I think is uh, incredibly astute. And um, the reality that the conversation of equality centers around income and women competing in the masculine economy of control is a pretty good signal to me that the conversation is completely lost and irrelevant. Mm. I'm, you you mentioned a rediscovery of manhood and i'm curious as you've done this work what are the kinds of practices that you've implored in your own life as well as encouraged other people to undertake to facilitate this kind of rediscovery well you have to do your own work um you have to have your own project of making sense of the world and you have to have your own project just of discovering who you are and um a lot of wisdom from the past is useful. Like look to the past, look at history. Who, who are men? What, what have they done in the past? What's, what's been the lifestyle of men? 
for the last several thousand years and discover that men are this manifestation of um, culture and order. They bend nature to their will. They go out, they range out into the chaos of the wilderness and they find ways to create habitable order. And that's kind of what men do. And, and you see this like even in our video games, right? It's like a lot of these video games are just about hunting and gathering. They're about going out into the chaos and uh, saving the world. And, you know, that's the hero's journey too. And like, this is what a man is. So if a man is someone who is a hero and someone who goes out into the chaos of the world and creates order in it, um, how do you do that in your life? What does that mean? Uh, embrace that, you know? Uh, figure out who you are and realize that like you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are um do you you know do you find that being aggressive towards women um works in the dating scene or something like that does it work well don't be ashamed of it because that's how men are you know do you find that it, it turns you on when women are submissive you know that's okay. Don't feel ashamed of it. That's what men are like. That's what women are like. And uh, the fact that we've lost sight of the patterns between men and women is what's so difficult. It's like rediscover what men and women actually are and figure out who you are. And maybe the way that you become a warrior and the way that you venture out into the wild and slay the dragon, maybe that involves just doing well at your job. You know, maybe that means, um, in like a spiritual intellectual realm, like we're in right now, we're having this conversation. You and I are venturing into the unknown. We're venturing into a realm that feels kind of dangerous, like this discussing masculinity. And we're trying to find a way to create order in this realm of chaos. How do we take this chaos of masculinity and bring order to it and guide other men um, along the path? What we're doing, it's very manly. It's very masculine. Mm -hmm. you, you and I are making sense we're trying to find ways to um, create a home mm -hmm. for men that you can inhabit, you can live there. And it's in this sort of intellectual, spiritual space, but it's still there. And like, that's what men do. Um, so I think just getting in touch with that and finding others like you, other men who are also trying to figure this out and um, being fatherly towards other men, you know, bringing them up into personhood having that sort of agopic love that Vareki talks about where you, you know, raise people up, you, you bring them into adulthood, uh, you help them discover who they are. Um, that's what's really important. And that's why we need more men's groups. We need more collective, large men's movements and not the pathological kind that are just, mm. you know, mirroring this pathological feminism. Like it's like, we don't want to be hating women. We don't want to be uh, planning the revolution where, you know, men take back control. That's not what we do. We find each other. We rediscover what it means to be a man. We lift each other up and we become brothers. Mm -hmm. And that's the question. How do we do that? Yeah, I like that. And yeah, that brings up so much for me. <laughs> One is that I, I, I fear for you, the, the, the notion <laughs> that we need more larger movement men's movements i'm like oh god Aaron, careful yeah. dude careful careful you're gonna get canceled right there you're gonna get canceled yeah. uh yeah uh the idea that men need to come together is a uh, is one that 
seems to fall in the crosshairs of a number of different politically correct ideologies in our society right now. But I agree, but that's what men do, right? Men yeah. venture out into danger. So if you're it's in true. danger and, of being canceled, you're being manly. Go for yeah. it. And so I, I think as we talk about this, just even the vernacular, I feel like we need to be very careful here because I think that as we talk about men, what men do, hmm. I think is typically a misnomer. That's a misnomer. And the framework that I try to have this conversation in essentially is in masculinity. Because as you hmm. mentioned in the beginning of the show here, the idea that a man is masculine is statistical, statistically a likelihood, but is yeah. not uh, certainty, right? And so yeah. masculinity is something that that women embrace as they become aware and empowered and decide to take control of their lives and to try to make something of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very masculine thing. So yeah. uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It's, I feel like one of the things that we're up against here is our own identities and how we identify, whether we're, uh, we identify with our genitalia and the, 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 statistical probability that our behaviors would manifest along the same congruent lines as the genitalia between our legs. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting place to start. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's important because this is a realm of confusion, right? This is a good example of where we're confused is um, masculine is very much anchored to being male. Uh -huh. Not absolutely but it definitely is mostly the people who are masculine are mostly men. The people yes. who are feminine are mostly women. And these are two poles. Like it's not, it's not a absolute dualism where it's like either you're masculine or you're feminine. It's like, no, there's room in between, right? There is a sort of gray area in between, but there's two poles, right? And most people line up either at one pole, masculine or feminine. That doesn't mean mm. you can't be in between, but you know, the idea that it's a spectrum that's like, there are no poles. Like, it's just like, everyone is just somewhere on this spectrum. It's like, that's not true. It's like most people do line up with a certain pattern of behavior that's either masculine or a certain pattern of behavior that's feminine. But that doesn't mean you can't find some gray area. And I think an interesting example is like a lot of same-sex relationships, there's often a masculine and feminine role in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And we know, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a stereotype, but it's true. You, yeah. Often, if, if you have two guys who are in a relationship together, there's often a masculine one and a, a more feminine one. And that's yeah. how you can see how this partnership between masculine and feminine forms. But still, masculinity is a male thing. And hmm. we need to recognize that. We need, we need to understand who we are. Because if, if we can't understand the truth of who we are, we can't possibly grapple with the problems of reality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, good luck solving your problems if you can't even understand what they are to begin with. So yeah, I agree. I we agree. need to start with what's real. Yeah. I think that's so, uh, I think that's a very astute. I think that's very astute. The, the, the need to be, the need to be in touch with reality. Hard to do anything from any other place accurately. Yeah. And uh, the other day I'm listening to Akira the Dawn mm. and He's uh, he 
Jeez. It's a JBP wave, right? Jordan Peterson talking right. about Moses in the desert. Mm. And Moses, he was, for so long, he was essentially the judicial system of the tribe. Everyone was bringing all of their quarrels to him, all of the mm. fights, all of the things, all the disputes, they would come to Moses and they would say, well, he did this and he said this and she did that. And, and then Moses would have to come up with the, the, uh, the path to peace on that mm. essentially. And Moses's uh, father-in-law warned him. He said, no, you can't, you can't do this. This is going to kill you. This, mm. this is a, this is unsustainable. And at some point, Moses went up on the mount, right? He went up on the mountain and there was a burning bush and he came back with the Ten Commandments. Mm. And the meaning that Peterson makes of that is that it wasn't that they were given, that the rules were given to Moses. What Moses wrote down were the rules before we had written them down. Those were the way, those are the those are the laws of physics, the social physics. Those are the ways that we, that we already try to tr treat each other. Those are the ways we already aspire to treat each other. Right. That is the implicit made explicit. It is not something externally being given. And so I think, you know, it, that's brought up for me because you're essentially talking about as men and women who are both masculine and feminine, one of the fucking most important things we do right now is we get back in touch with reality. We actually yeah. come to terms with the physics of the intergender world that we live in, the way mm -hmm. that we aspire to treat each other, the way that we actually are personally and collectively and in relation, all of those things. I think that is... I think that there really are these like the way the world works and the way the world is precedes the rules. Absolutely. It yeah. precedes the rules. And I think that when we talk about rediscovering, for me, that is, for me, that is going back to like what is actually there. Yeah. And I love that you recommend history and, and, you know, where we've come from. I think that's so important. Yeah, it's really, I mean, if you want good perspective on now, what's happening now, look at what came before. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's cause and effect. Um, a lot of the same patterns repeat over mm -hmm. and over and over again. So history, uh, I mean, the same way that if you want to understand yourself, it's like, what's your past? It's like, you're not going to understand yourself just by looking at now. You know, you have to go back in time and be like, what, what happened when I was five? What happened when I was 10? Mm -hmm. How did this lead me to now? It's like, as, as a civilization, as, as a species, you have to understand history. You have to go back and look at history with dispassionately. Understand, wow, there was a lot of genocide in the past. What does that mean about humans? You know, it's like, yeah. you got to confront that. And it's like... Pretty so masculine much... thing that is that whole genocide deal. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, you have to confront that. You have to acknowledge who we really are. And mm -hmm. I think that's true about uh, the sexes as well. It's like, if you perceive that there are problems in the world, you have to get in touch with the reality of those problems. 
or you can't solve them. You're just gonna make things worse. And it's like, yeah. why would you want to make things worse? Don't you want to make things better? Yes. Understand reality then. And so what's the reality of men? That's the big question. And uh, yeah, I think the, in, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I think, I think we have a lot of information about that. Like, I don't I think, think so it's too. a mis- I don't think it's a mystery. I think, I think there's plenty of information out there to, to point to what does it mean to be a man. Yeah. And a lot of it's rediscovery, a lot of it's reintegration. We need to find like new ways of communicating the same message. You know, yeah. it's like maybe we take something from 500 years ago and we have to reinterpret it to make sense now because the words have changed. And that's, that's true for masculinity as well. It's like we need to look at the past and maybe we need to reintegrate that information and find a way to communicate it effectively for the people of today. How are, how are young men going to find this information accessible now? It's like it might need to be respoken by people who have the courage and the power to do so. Yep, I agree. It's like if you're going to give uh, someone who's lost directions, it's important that you actually know where on the map you are. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're going to give information as to how to get to the other place, but you think you're somewhere you're not, then you're not going to give great directions. Exactly. Um, and I think... You know, just a moment ago, I said the genocide was a, is a masculine thing. And I, mm-hmm. I actually want to go back and revise that. And I think sure. that what, this is essentially my entire shtick here comes down mm-hmm. to that slip. Mm-hmm. Because that's not actually a, that is an immature masculine thing. Genocide is an immature masculine thing, <laughs> which is funny to call it that. <laughs> Genocide is so immature. Right. Genocide is so immature. It really is. Because if we allow ourselves to transcend the black and white, linear, planar world, intellectually even, Mm. and we allow ourselves to enter into a world that contains a dimension of depth, then we see that masculinity can grow on a time continuum, a development continuum, but also on a depth. And I think it is the depth that is actually important here because I think that when we look at our own behavior, when I look at my own behavior, it's quite obvious at this point what things are from a really mature and embodied place and what things come from the parts of me that are yet to be fully actualized, realized, integrated. And so I feel like what I said there is like almost to go back into the feminist rhetoric that is blaming masculinity and not fully understanding it. Because I do think that uh, embodied masculinity, a mature masculinity is a, is a container. It's something that holds space. It's something that, that creates. It's something that protects. It's something that guides. It's something that stewards And on the other side, the opposite of stewardship is control. The opposite of protection is control. Mm. And so I really do think that it's like almost like 
where we are right now, we're just talking about how we might need to re-speak some of this shit. Yeah. I think that one thing that we might need to do is we need to list them out. Mature and immature masculinity and mm. their counterparts. Yep. Stewardship or resource extraction, right? Yeah. Protection control. There are these... There are these forces that wrestle, mm -hmm. and it's not a masculine versus not masculine. It's a mature masculine versus an immature masculine. It is a yeah. it is the puer and the synex. It is the the inner child and the grown up. Yeah, it is this. This is essentially how we're wrestling. This is how I'm wrestling. Anyways, it's like my relationship with myself is essentially this infantile needs versus the mature embodiment of myself as a man. And right. so I think we might need to go back and help people understand the masculine continuum of depth, the masculine continuum of maturity. And so right. we can get away from the language that is masculine is toxic. And feminine is not toxic. You know, like yeah. the the t-shirt, the feminist t-shirts say the future is feminine. I'm like, well, the future doesn't last long if it's all feminine, because you're gonna need some semen on that. <laughs> right? It's like Yes. That's a good so, way to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fun way to say it, anyways. Um yeah. <laughs> I like what you're saying though. The, the uh, continuum is an important concept for just understanding reality in general. And uh, mm -hmm. Aristotle has like the golden mean where it's like the traits that we recognize as being virtue and the traits that we recognize as being vice, they're on the same continuum. It's like they're almost the same trait. It's just one side is excess and one side is defect, right? So if you are someone who... Um, let's say you have good leadership skills um, or the excess of leadership, let's say too little leadership and you know, things become chaotic. There's not enough cooperation mm -hmm. and th it doesn't work very well, but too much leadership, it becomes tyrannical, right? Too much control and you're just, nothing can budge and nothing can adapt. And so it's on this axis and the same way with like bravery, like courage, it's like, that's virtuous. It's like, but if there's too much, you might do something stupid. Yeah, you're like foolhardy. It's, it's not, yeah, yeah. So we understand these things as, as being on a continuum of like, you want to find the right balance. It's mm -hmm. not too little. It's not too much. And when it comes to masculinity, you're right. It's like, you can't just say masculinity is bad. It just, that doesn't work. And you'll find that doesn't actually help at all. Think of masculinity as having different polarities where it can kind of go into shadow and the, the uh, propensity that men have for violence Men can be violent. We know this, obviously. And there's a way that that can be really pathological and that can lead to things like genocide, for instance. It's like, that's men doing what they do, kind of. It's men doing what they do when they are lost, when they've- mm -hmm. Lost men. They've become um, shadow men, again. Um, but being able to inflict violence, and this is another Peterson thing, right? is the ability to inflict violence is important to be a protector, to be mm -hmm. someone who, who keeps the peace, who um, creates this 
home for a family. It's like you need to be able to unsheath your sword. For sure. But hopefully you don't have to. And that's, so this, this conversation, like people want to reduce things down to black and white, as of you're course. saying. And they want to reduce masculinity to being bad because that's simple. Okay, we solved the problem. We figured it out, guys. Masculinity, that's not going to work. That's too simple. We need to think about what are the masculine traits that are out of, out of balance and say, how do we get them back into balance? Yeah. Rather than saying masculinity is evil, destroy it. Yeah. I think that this misunderstanding also, when we talk about immature masculine traits leading to genocide, Mm. and we look at our own society right now, as we just stumble across a pandemic where we try to headlock it with control and more control, authoritarianism, lockdowns, curfews, control, control, control. People don't recognize this archetypal maturation continuum that we are jamming on. And because of this lack of understanding around this, because of this, the women in the society, the men in the society are ready to rally for, vote for, encourage the literally worst parts of masculinity in the leadership, right? Yeah, yeah. We are, because we don't understand this individually, we don't understand it collectively. And because we can't understand it collectively, we literally, the shadow men become the shadow society and they they become the things that create the fucking gulags. That is, so there's a part of me that's like, okay, we should understand this so that we can just have better fucking relationships between men and women. We should understand this so that we can actually raise our children in a way that's relevant and non-violent. Yeah. But we should also understand this so we stop fucking killing people by the tens and hundreds of millions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it is a matter of uh, life and death for our species. Wow. It's like, uh, you want to destroy the human race. It's like put men and women against each other. Wow. That is so astute. Eliminate men, you know? And it's like, uh, like you're saying, at the individual level, it's like better relationships if men and women can understand each other and find a way to be good partners for each other. Better children, better community, if we can do this. Better society, maybe. And it's like, better world it's like that bottom-up change is really important and, and you're right i think the the pathological masculine uh traits do find a way to kind of get to the top and then leak back down and screw things up and yeah but uh, i also think i think that's very i i just to, to reflect on what you just said i think that's sure. very astute and i think that's um It's a, I think it's a sad state of affairs that we're currently in. And the, what you said is if you want to extinct a species, then pit male and female against each other. Great. God, that's been happening for fucking ever. Like, wow, a meta crisis. Another, another leg of it came out. Okay. Yeah. I also think that in general, women, if you have a vagina, you can be immaturely masculine ad nauseum, ad infinitum. You can basically do all of the bullshit, but as long as you have a vagina, it's fine. 
which is not a great thing. Um, I think that if you actually start digging into one of the ways that I found myself in philosophy, the first thing was through peaceful parenting. Okay. And if you actually start looking statistically, the amount of corporal punishment, the amount of people who are spanking and hitting, beating their children. Yeah. The majority is actually mothers Mm. who does that. Mm. Um, That's not to say that, that's not to say that that's an inherently woman thing. I think that's a masculine trait embodied in a mother. And I think that if you've ever been around wildlife, the ability for females to embody a protective, violent masculine is like, that is like, you know, that's like the archetype. Like, you know, there's a saying that's like the only thing scarier to see than a bear is a bear cub. Yeah. Cause bear cubs don't come without mama bears and mama right. bears are just the most ferocious thing in the forest. Yeah. And so essentially we're just winding ourselves back into the fractal that is this conversation and we can look at it from so many angles here. And I think we can do this. Oh, yeah. We can do this so many different times. And yeah, there's a lot of complexity here. There is a lot of complexity and I want to end, I want to end ourselves. I want to find some encouragement here because I feel like I need encouraged just Mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. And as well as I deal with the parts of my own masculine, my own shadow, my own life, my development, the places where I don't want to be that I still am. Are you asking for some closing thoughts or are you just getting ready, <laughs> absorbing the energy? I don't know. You're about, you're about to lay, lay on some amazing final speech. <laughs> amazing rant. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm asking for closing thoughts here first. <laughs> maybe the, maybe there's some seed of, final grand finale rant here in there but i feel like it's coming <laughs> it is now i mean if, if i want to say something encouraging you know i i i think there's a lot of hope and I, I think that we are grappling with feelings of hopelessness right now but there with all the confusion and destruction and sort of disintegration that is happening, things are kind of breaking down. I think there's a lot of beautiful, subtle, tiny things that are rebuilding something that's very powerful. I think that a lot of people are finding each other um, on the internet in this situation. And uh, I've found a lot of people on the internet in the last six months and it's changed my life. And there's so much positive, beautiful work being done to heal and bring people back together to sort of combat the divisiveness and developing strategies for how to maintain cooperation and good feeling between seemingly disparate tribes, different realms Mm -hmm. of thought. And as far as masculinity goes, I, I just think there's so much awareness that's coming into, into light coming into the forefront of people's 
um, minds, the conversations that are happening. And I've had a lot of really, really good conversations about masculinity in the last month that, you know, you can't help but just feel really hopeful about that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe things actually are getting better and maybe we just need to go through a dark period briefly in order to reemerge as a beautiful butterfly or something like that. And maybe that sounds naive, but <laughs> you know, if you're listening, there's things that you can do. I mean, there's, there's things that you can do in your own life to get on the path of um, healing and you can find people like you and I found each other never talked before. And we're having this great conversation right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone can do that. It's, it's available to you in ways that's never been before. So, uh, you know, get out there and find your people and find your brothers and, uh, raise each other up into personhood, uh, into men. And if you can do that together, you can raise up the world. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. That's a great general encouragement to both me and everyone. Yeah. It's incredible, just like the, how close this conversation is to my core, like how close it is to my identity, Hmm. right? When we talk about masculinity, we talk about me. When we talk about men, we talk about me. Yep. And there's a hunger there, right? There's a- There is. your, Your spirit is starving in some sense for this conversation, maybe. I mean, mine is at least, it's like, I want to talk about this because yeah. uh, there's all this energy in me that's unresolved uh, that like, who am I and what, what am I to do in this world as an individual? And uh, is there a place for me? Is there a place for me in this world? And, um, you know, I'm craving, I'm craving finding myself with others and finding each other together and, uh, you know, we are men. Mm, yeah. So. I think that that's a important thread there. I think that's mm. a really important thread. And maybe that is our closing thought there. That is the idea, the misidentification with individuality and masculinity that men mm. do it on their own. They don't ask for help. They don't need it. They do it on their own. Yeah. And I think that's just couldn't be further from the truth here. I think we need community we don't exist outside of community we don't exist outside of relationship we only exist relative to one another to the earth to the place to the time i think that um you know there's been a part of me that's really like noodled on the idea of having some kind of men's group here um in the paragliding community specifically yeah and and yeah i think this (laughs) this <laughs> as, as i observe myself right now i just yeah. find that this conversation it just it really cracks it open for me i just feel i feel intellectually cracked open on this i just feel like all of these in, inquiries are just um, so relevant and salient right now for myself just where i am and what's about to happen in my life and what has just happened as well as just the times and the history. You know, yesterday I was talking to a woman who's the, her mother and father survived the Holocaust. And it's like, wow, wow. just like, fuck man. We're just like, we're on this roller coaster ride where we keep getting dunked through the same acid water. Yeah. 
It's like if we could just kind of grow up and figure that out, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. It's been really nice talking to you. You too, Ari. It's been a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Aaron. All right, buddy. Let's stay in touch, all right? Yeah, that's it. See okay, ya. man. Take care. Bye. Okay. That was a great time. Kind of strange ending there as I was just... It just really cracks open so many wormholes of thought and inquiry and it's just a tough thing to really nail down. So I want to contextualize this as an invitation into the inquiry and that into the unknowingness of what the fuck all of this means and what is happening and where it's going. So if you like this show, consider supporting it on paypal.me slash airy in the air, make a donation or on Patreon to have a recurring membership. I really appreciate all the support. You guys stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.